coming up on Facts from the Stacks. The ocean's full of scary things. <laughs> sure is. I see why you have fears now. Yeah, I have fears. I feel like I should maybe develop more feel- fears after this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Welcome back to Facts from the Stacks, all of you animal appreciators and pet parents. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so as you can tell, this episode is about animals and pets. Animals and pets. We we get real musical. I feel like I just really wish we had a jingle, and so I just try to make it happen on my own. Maybe one day. Maybe (laughs) one day. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson-Madison County Library, is your library news and book-based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump our other library staff. So, yeah, we'll just go ahead and get started with our recently borrowed stuff. All right. So as far as what has been recently borrowed, for me, that is nothing. (gasps) I know that's horrible. (laughs) It's been a busy week. Uh, I have borrowed lots of animal books. Okay. Which we'll talk about throughout this. But like, as far as things that I have like pleasure watched or read, not a whole lot. Just a busy guy. It's just, it's one of those weeks. And that's okay. Yeah. What about you? Have you... Um, I checked out recently and just finished reading, um, it's called, but have you read the book by Kristen Lopez Okay. and it's a TCM book. So Turner classic movies, which is the channel that plays all the classic films. And so they have lots of different books, but this one is like every section is a movie and then it talks about the book that it was based on i did not know that was a thing yeah it's pretty new i think we got it in march um that's awesome but it's really fun because it'll be like you know for example jurassic park so it'll talk about the basics of the movie and the book and like what's different what's the same and like kind of analyzes it it was really interesting and it added like a ton of books and movies to my to watch slash to read. Absolutely. But it was really fun. I recommend if you're into that kind of thing. That sounds fun. So please feel free to tell us listeners what you've been borrowing recently from the library. We still love to hear from you guys. Really just makes us excited to hear what you guys have got to. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? We'll just go right into our facts and stuff. I have some facts about animal intelligence. Ooh. Um, so, you know, we, we can talk about some of the, the, the kinds of intelligence. Like, everybody knows that they're really smart animals. But I tried to pick a couple that are like, you don't really know about these as much. More obscure. A little bit. So, like, we know that there are intelligent birds. Mm-hmm. But what I... 
researched is that crows are very, very, very intelligent. Ooh, I didn't know this. Yeah. Um, so according to, again, this is some of the books that I've checked out and looked at. Um, according to The Smartest Animals on the Planet by mm. Dr. Sally Boyson, which you can check out from the library. That sounds fun. Um, corvids, which is the family of ravens, crows, ah, that whole... The creepy bird clan. <clears throat> right. Um, <laughs> they have the largest overall brain size for birds. Huh. So they have the biggest brains. Even though they're not like the biggest birds. Mm-hmm. And that's I guess that's proportional. Oh, they have is a it proportionately okay, okay. largest brain. Got it. Um, for crows, it is the same relative size as the brain of a chimpanzee, which is yeah. like... Largely regarded as the smartest mammal under humans. Right. Huh. Yeah. So they also say that crows can count. They're able to count. Um, They can use tools. (gasps) They will use cups and fill them with water (laughs) and go over to their, like, dry food and will moisten their dry food. Oh, my god! So it's more enjoyable. (laughs) But then they'll also pick splinters off of wood fences to, like, get bugs that are out of reach normally. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll just spear them. They're smart. Yeah, they're really smart. They can, they have a really, really good memory. Like, that's one of the things that people say is that crows remember faces. And there was um, the University of Washington did a study where they went around the campus and some of their researchers wore caveman masks. Oh. And they captured a bunch of the crows and then they let them go. But like they captured them, rounded them up. And then 10 years later, <gasps> over 50% of the crow population on the campus still signaled to everyone that the caveman masks were a danger. They, 10 years later, they put those masks back out on the campus and the crows still freaked out. 50% of the crows still knew that the cavemen were dangerous. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. So they do remember faces very well. Um, uh, It's scary. It's a little little spooky. Um, There's a, a friend of mine that he wanted to be the crow man. Like that was his, that was his goal um, during COVID. Um, so he fed the crows near his house peanuts and they slowly bonded with him and would come a little closer every day. And so he had this nice relationship with his crows near his house, goal, you know, in lockdown. That's the unique one of all yeah. the goals I heard. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do something at home, go harder, go be home. friends to the crows. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are very social and family oriented. Um, they will, you will find up to five generations of crows that flock together Aww. and the older siblings will help raise the younger siblings and will help tidy the nest. That's so There's, sweet. It, it's interesting. You wouldn't think that a lot of, and I guess it's because a lot of animals in general don't have a family structure like humans right. do. And so for five generations to have that connection. Yeah, that's almost more than humans in yeah. most cases. It's probably to do with lifespan. It, a lot it does. Yeah. But the, still, that's really crazy. In Japan, the crows there have figured out traffic lights. <laughs> so they will wait for red lights to happen. And then they will drop walnuts in the middle of the intersection. And then when the light turns green, the cars will run over the walnuts 
And then when the light turns red again, the raven, the crows will swoop in and will pick up all the walnuts that the cars cracked open. Thanks for cracking our walnuts. Yeah. So like they know the cycle of the light cycle. They know the red light is, oh, safe. We're good. We, wow. we won't be hit if we go. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's really cool. So, and that kind of behavior isn't just crows, but it is all members of the Corvid family, which like I said, um, will include magpies and blue jays too. Mm. So they're not quite as smart, but they are a little smarter than your average bird. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So that's fun. I also looked into elephants Mm. because, you know, people always say elephants have good memories. Mm -hmm. That's a a thing. Um, According to Inside the Animal Mind by George Page, another book you can check out here, Mm -hmm. elephants have a greeting ritual. So, like, if they see an elephant they recognize, they have a greeting ritual and they experience joy upon reuniting with loved ones. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Usually, um, that's mostly the female elephants because they... like a, an elephant and her daughter and her daughter's daughter downward, they will they will stay together. They'll herd together. Okay. Um, usually the males will go off and create their own little, like, different family pods. Mm. But the female elephants specifically stick to their family through their whole life. They are empathetic and they comfort each other. Okay. So you'll see an elephant, like, stroking another elephant with their trunk yeah. if they think they're distressed or, you know, things like that. That's so beautiful. They mourn their dead. I have heard that. that and they that's, grieve, that's right? sad. Yeah, that's they grieve. So sad. So they will stand vigil over a newly dead elephant for hours and sometimes days. Oh my gosh. And will like touch them and like they will try to bury them. In oh. some cases, they'll put dirt or leaves on them to bury them. That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's really. It's really crazy. There are African elephants that seem to be able to distinguish language. So they took two different groups of people that lived in Kenya that spoke two different languages. Mm -hmm. One of those groups had a history of hunting elephants and the other did not. Oh. And they so they spoke two different languages and so they took this group of elephants and they told both of these groups to say the phrase, "Look, there are elephants coming this way." And the elephants when they heard the the language of the neutral one, they didn't react at all. Mm-hmm. They just they were, they just went about their business. Mm-hmm. But when it was said in the language of the group of people that historically hunted elephants, they clustered together and like we're trying to protect each other Whoa. and like move away from that. That's wild. So they knew the phrase was the same, it was said in the same tone, but just that difference in the language, they knew that that was the hunter group. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Really crazy. That's super cool. Yeah. And this one is a little closer to home, which I thought was interesting. Um, there are two elephants, Shirley and Jenny, that were once circus companions. Uh-huh. And they were separated for 20 years. No contact um, after the circus, I guess, closed down. Yeah. They were reunited at the Elephant Sanctuary in Hohenwald, Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. I didn't and know that was a thing. And they instantly recognized each other. Oh. They knew 20 years later, these two elephants still knew each other and they bonded again instantly. Oh my gosh. Also, uh, why didn't I know there's an elephant sanctuary in Hohenwald? Yeah, that's a, it's wow, a thing. Wow, I should yeah. have gone there. Yeah, so they were they were inseparable. Oh, that is so lovely. Yeah, it's what really What a heartwarming cool. tale. It is. And then my last little animal intelligence bit mm-hmm. is about gorillas. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, like I said, chimps are 
said to be the smartest mammals. And gorillas have been actually not looked at as much as far as intelligence. But in The Smartest Animals on the Planet, the book that I mentioned before, they talk about Coco the gorilla. Which is, as someone who is learning American Sign Language, Mm -hmm. I couldn't not mention the gorilla that knew sign language. Um, So she was born in 1971, and she was raised in a very different way than other gorillas had been. Mm. Um, I guess a lot of the other gorillas, they tried to um, raise... In the same way they would be treated in the wild, I guess. Um, But Coco, they really tried to educate her and to raise her to have a higher intelligence. Okay. So they started teaching her sign language. And by the end of her life, she died in 2018. Um, By the end of her life, she knew over a thousand Sign signs. Wow. Um, and she used them to ask for objects, toys, and sometimes her keepers. Huh. Um, now, she couldn't do, like, full sentences, mm-hmm. but she could put things together and make her own signs. So, so nobody ever taught her the sign for ring. Uh-huh. And even though no one told her what the sign for ring was, she put together finger and bracelet oh wow and so that was how she signed ring so there are you know examples of her being smart enough to take things conceptually and combine them into something that makes sense even though nobody ever taught her how to do that so she couldn't do you know grammar and all that kind of stuff that, that people who use sign language do use but Really crazy that she could combine those concepts. Yeah. Wow. So, what yeah. a gal. Yeah, what a gal. You go, Coco. Rest in peace. Mm, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, so that's what I have on animal intelligence. So interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Wow. We'll be right back with more Facts from the Stacks. If you've ever wanted to learn a new language, but you've never found a group to learn with, the library may be the place to go. Every Tuesday at 11, starting June 20th, you can learn American Sign Language with an interpreter from the Jackson Center for Independent Living. Whether you know tons of signs, just your alphabet, or none at all, come learn about how awesome ASL is with us. Um, Okay, so for animals, I started looking into like famous animals. Okay. Which as you just mentioned Coco, then led me to Punxsutawney Phil, who if you don't know who he is, he's the star of Groundhog Day. I'm well, sure I, I will took be a deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> I've just always been fascinated by him. He seems like an interesting guy. So here we go. Okay. So for background, Groundhog Day is every February 2nd. And if Phil sees his shadow when he comes out of his little burrow, um, that predicts 42 more days of winter, a.k.a. six weeks. If he doesn't see his shadow, that means that spring is coming early. Right. So Punxsutawney Phil started doing these predictions in 1887, but the tradition originated in Europe by farmers who used hedgehogs to predict this on February 2nd, way before this. But, you know, when they came over to America and all that good stuff, the the Groundhog Day we know and love today goes back to 1887. Okay, so they used hedgehogs instead of groundhogs. Yeah, which according to what I was reading, I think is because, like, as far as species and geography, like, hedgehogs are kind of the equivalent of a groundhog in Europe as far right. as, like, 
will come out of their burrows and predict the way that he does. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so it's February 2nd because that's about halfway between the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year, and the spring equinox, which is the 50-50 day of the year, equal, equal time parts. and nighttime. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's on February 2nd, which I didn't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Also, one of my sister's birthdays. Shout out to my sister. <laughs> that's wonderful. Groundhog's Day and a birthday. What a special time. <laughs> um, okay. And then I also thought this was fun that... So there's the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club. And there's an inner circle of the PGC that handles and protects Phil, as well as several other groundhogs. And that's like a little society that, that is, exists. That exists to protect Phil and yes. other groundhogs. Like he, Phil has an entourage, essentially. Secret service. And they're the inner circle of the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club. I just love the way that's described. And then this you're really going to like. The president of this inner circle of the PGC Uh is the one that speaks on Groundhog's Day. Okay. And he speaks allegedly Groundhoggies. So he is the only one that can understand Phil and so can understand the prediction. He interprets the message Yes, he's the interpreter. Wow. So it's the president speaks Groundhoggies. Wow. Isn't that something? That's fascinating. Okay, so we love that. Um, And then another thing I loved is that Phil and these other groundhogs live in a special burrow at the Punxsutawney Public Library. In the library. In the library. Is that not just perfect? Okay, when are we getting our groundhogs? That's a great question. And also, when are we taking a sponsored podcast trip to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Let's go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> I just love that, that is... the thing when the things that we look into for the podcast connect to the library, it's like wow. completely on accident. Amazing. Yeah. So what's fun is that inside the library there's a window where you can watch Phil and his friends frolicking about in their special burrow in the children's department. Which is just perfect. Oh, my god! And so that's like when the library is open, you can see them there. But there's also a window outside the building. So you can watch Phil 24 hours a day. Wow. Isn't that great? That is so cool. There's a... I wish I knew where it was. There's a library I saw that in their children's library because... Apparently, having animals and things like that in our children's areas are what we do. Um, They had an entire beehive. (gasps) Cool. Like, so there's a glass enclosure and then the beehive in the middle. So you can watch the bees coming and going. So cool. cool. I would love something like that. Yeah. Under local library. (laughs) Yeah, serious. Sponsor us. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that's kind of the background. And then I looked kind of into his accuracy because I was like, how does, you know, how good is he at doing his job? Yeah. So the records of the Groundhog Club state that he has predicted 180 six more weeks of winters, and only 20 early springs. Uh, there's nine missing years in there, and no one knows what happens to happen to Phil during those years, which was a fun mystery. But anyway, so from 1969 on, Phil's accuracy is about 36%. Okay, so we're... 
Not super accurate. Yeah, so I, I heard that percentage and I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, let's get some context. Um, he's more likely to be right, a.k.a. 47%, when he predicts um, the spring to come early. So whenever he does predict spring to come early, he's right 47% of the time. More accurate. Yeah, and so I was like, well... Yeah, so what is, you know, compared to other things, how good is that? So a seven-day forecast from the weather is 80% accurate. A five-day forecast is usually 90% accurate. And then a 10-plus-day forecast is usually about only 50% accurate. Interesting. Which he's predicting like months or weeks ahead of time, right? So let's say you could just compare Phil's 36% accuracy to a 10-plus-day forecast of about 50%. So it doesn't sound as bad when you think of it that way. That's fair because we also cannot yeah, predict weather well. Yeah, we also don't well. crush it. Yeah. But I thought that was funny that this like – you know, prolific tradition. Yeah. Huge celebration. And like, he he's not actually that great at it as far as the predicting. Wow. <laughs> um, so Phil is the number one groundhog celebrity, but he's not the only one, the only groundhog that is predicting the weather on February 2nd each year. So there's different groundhogs throughout the country um, in different cities. We've got Dunkirk Dave. Oh. Sun Prairie Jimmy. Essex Ed, Sir Walter Wally, and others. So, I like Sir Walter Wally. Yeah, same. That's a good one. There's so there's other groundhogs throughout the throughout other major cities that are similar to Phil in their occupation. Wow. Um, and then lastly, this was another fun zesty thing is that groundhogs typically live about seven years. But Phil is claimed to be over 100 years old. And the reason for that is he drinks a magical groundhog punch each year. Oh. That each sip extends his life by seven years. So that's how he's managed to live so long. Wow. Phil is really... He's got the fountain of youth exactly. right there. No relation to the other groundhogs that live with him. Not at that all. That doesn't seem relevant. No, 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 no. no not no. at all. But yeah, so that's Punxsutawney Phil. Wow. He's, what a guy. I knew nothing about Punxsutawney Phil. I didn't know any of this either, and I really had a good time learning it. Wow. It's <laughs> fun. So next February, food for thought. Food for thought. <laughs> all right. So my second topic was underwater animals. Ooh, yes. Um, I hate water. Oh, I didn't know that. I do not like deep bodies of water. So you're not into swimming? Um, now, in a pool, that's fine. Oh, that's But, like, okay. river, so lake, ocean. ponds, ocean, absolutely not. not. Um, so that also means I'm really fascinated by everything that lives in those places. That makes sense. Because it lets me know everything that I need to be scared of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not sea monsters. That's it's just deep sea deep sea creatures are terrifying. Real ones. Anglerfish. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, so I've got a couple that we're gonna talk about. Um, there's one that I have a lot more information on because I talked about it in a biology class when I was, Ooh. you know, going to school. I did a report on it. It's a fascinating animal. Excellent. Um, but the first one that I wanted to talk about is the barrel eye fish. Oh, I've never heard so, of So they're also known as spookfish. That sounds more familiar. They're, they are a deep sea animal. And they're named that way because they have their eyes are like barrel shaped and they're pointed upward. Hmm. 
So their eyes point straight up, but their whole head is transparent. Oh. It's a transparent dome. It has no skull. So, and so the eyes look straight up out of this clear head that it has. Um, And it's said that it does that because, so the, the transparent head allows it to see better in low light because it lets it absorb more of that light. Uh. Um, and the the eyes can move to face straight forward, but typically they're pointed straight up. He's like a little submarine with his little yeah. scope. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah, the periscope. Like yeah, yeah, periscope. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they're kind of spooky looking. Then there's vampire squids. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which are called that because each of their tentacles has, like, webbing between it. Ooh. So it's not eight individual tentacles necessarily, but there's webbing between. Oh. So it looks like a like a cape. Oh, that's Like cool. a vampire cape. <laughs> and then each of those tentacles has spines on it oh. that look like... I mean, like spiky teeth. Scary death. They're really spooky looking. Um, so they look really scary, and they probably are, but they also have the ability to create light. They have organs that produce light called Whoa. photophores that can make flashes that will disorient other sea life. Whoa, that's cool. So they will they can flash those organs on. For like either just a couple seconds, but like sometimes it can last up to a few minutes of light. That's fascinating. Really weird. Oh, it's like a, a violent umbrella. Yeah, yeah, like a <laughs> like a pointy umbrella. <laughs> An umbrella of death. <laughs> yes, but the one I'm most excited about because it it just sounds fake. Um, the pistol shrimp. Are you, are you familiar with the no, pistol shrimp? No, I just shrimp? like the way that sounds. <laughs> okay, so the pistol shrimp is not a singular species, but it's a genus that has like about a thousand different species wow. of shrimp. That um, makes me wonder how many shrimp species exist total if there's just a thousand in that one genus. Yes, so most of them are only a couple inches long. So at most, they hunt small fish. So something that's about two inches long mm-hmm. hunts small fish with one big claw. They have one big claw, but they do not use it like you think they do. So when the claw opens, there's like a dip. And then on the top part of the claw, there's a plunger that fits into the dip. Okay. So they will lock their claw open. So when you watch them, you there's like a little like... (laughs) And when they snap their claw shut... It shoots the water that's in the plunger area out of the claw at 56 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That water will hit whatever fish that they are shooting at, and it produces a bubble. So when they do that, it makes a bubble of of water. Um, Uh And then that bubble collapses and produces sonoluminescence which is light caused by sound whoa (laughs) now it's not necessarily perceptible by the human eye Uh but they do produce light from that so when they hit the fish it's hit one time by 56 mile an hour water (laughs) and then again as the bubble collapses so it hits them twice essentially oh my god and then that is enough to 
kill the fish, which the shrimp will then eat. It's like a stun gun. That is the most elaborate nature murder. I will watch. We <laughs> I will watch. Ever yes, heard. I will show you a video after this because it is fascinating. Other animals be like, "Let me just bite you in the neck, and you're dead." And this guy's like, "I've got a whole strategy." <laughs> yes, and so the sound from it is enough to interfere with sonar systems. <laughs> so like places where those types of shrimp live, mm -hmm. we have to avoid in submarines and stuff <laughs> because the sonar will not work because the sound is so loud it interferes with sonar. That is nuts. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it is one of my favorite little guys. That's so cool. Weren't we talking yesterday about extreme, like... It might have been somebody at the front desk talking about how the 2000s did like extreme animals. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that wasn't me, but yes, I'm yes, totally with you. <laughs> it's very much that. But I mean, it looks ridiculous. It's like a revolver on its hand. <laughs> like it's crazy. It's so nuts. It's one dude. of my favorite things. It's so good. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I have for underwater animals. That was impeccable. The ocean's full of scary things. <laughs> Sure is. I see why you have fears now. Yeah, I have fears. I feel like I should maybe develop more feel fears after this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Our final facts and quiz segment will be right back after this break. This summer, the library is starting a small community garden. If you've been listening to this podcast and have some experience, or if you want to learn about the process of gardening, come see us. We will be hosting Garden Days on June 14th and July 12th, where we'll talk about the crops we're growing, how they're changing, and more. Anytime you stop by the library during the summer, come by the garden and help us maintain it with a little weed pulling or growth charting. All right, let's talk about dogs. I, okay, I love dogs. Yes. I don't because, have a dog, but I love dogs. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed, and if we're going to do an episode about animals... We've got to address dogs, I think, in mm -hmm. my opinion. So I just looked up some fun facts about dogs, because why not? And so I just have a few to share. Um, so the most popular breed of dog is the Lab. I'm not retriever. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's been on the AKC top 10 for 30 consecutive years, Whoa. which is longer than any other. And so then that made me curious. So I looked at the 2022 list and the number one most popular breed, according to the AKC, was, would you like to guess? For 2022? Uh-huh. Oh, no. Is it different, though? Yeah, so it it hasn't been number one for thirty consecutive years. Oh, it's just been it's in the been top in 10. the top ten. So the number one most popular breed of twenty twenty two. I don't know. Well, I'll say just some kind of terrier, perhaps the French bulldog. The French bulldog. Yeah. Interesting. Those bad boys are trendy. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then the lab was number two, so wow. that really cor corroborated the most popular. You know, for consecutive years. Wow. All right, number two, a I think I've heard this before, but a nose print is unique to a dog, just like a human fingerprint. Yeah, I have heard that. So I thought that was interesting. And then also, a dog's nose has 300 million scent receptors compared to our 5 million. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So when they say, you know, that dogs have an amazing sense of smell, that's, that's a more... Why clear picture yeah of that. <laughs> well and you know as far as the the nose print that does explain why a lot of people like will get little ink pad 
prints of their dogs' noses. Have you seen people do that? That's why, because it is unique to their dogs. It's so special. That's cute. My dogs have really cute noses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number three. Dogs can dream, and puppies and Mm -hmm. seniors dream the most... And also, smaller dogs dream more than bigger dogs, apparently. Interesting. And the way you can tell is by rapid eye movements. You can, like, see their eyes moving under their lids Mm -hmm. while they're sleeping, as well as barking and twitching, which I've seen that before in my dog, where they, like, look like they're running or something. They're running, yeah. And it also talked about how breeds, like, certain dogs will show breed-specific traits when they're dreaming. So, like, a German short-haired pointer will, like, point in his (gasps) sleep. That is so cute. It is really cute. I just thought that was fun. Like, those are our breed-specific traits to the core because we even do them when we're dreaming. That is adorable. (laughs) Collie means black because collies um, in the past tended black-faced sheep. So I thought that was interesting. Like, the word collie means the color black. Interesting. I never knew that. Like, border collie, etc. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Dogs curl up in a ball when they're sleeping to protect their organs. Okay, that does make sense. Yeah, like their animal instincts from, you know, back in the day. I think that's, I feel like that's, um, that's a, maybe a general animal thing because cats do that too. Yeah, that makes sense. And so like if your animal is sleeping stretched out on their back, then they really trust you. Yeah, that makes that, I've heard that before and that makes even more sense now that you say that. Yeah. I think it's funny that the things that we humans interpret as like so adorable and cute are really just like basic survival instincts. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, look at him, he's a little ball. Like he's protecting his organs. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And then this was interesting. I read a whole article on it is that dogs aren't actually colorblind. So I guess there's been some more recent studies and they can see yellow and blue. So they're more there's like a type of colorblindness in humans that's Mm -hmm. similar. And that's what dogs have. So it's red green colorblindness. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Interesting. It's not you know, I feel like we were just told Back in the day, that they just saw black and white. Right. But that's not necessarily yeah, the vibe. It's red-green. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'd heard that before. Yeah. Um, all puppies are born deaf. I don't know that I knew that. I didn't know that either. Wow. Which is kind of funny because puppies have such weird little barks and, like, make such funny noises. And I wonder if that has anything to do with that. They don't know what they like, sound yeah, like. Yeah, they don't even know what's coming out of them. So maybe that's why it's such a strange, like, silly sound. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Um, when dogs kick up behind them after they go potty, um, they're not trying to cover it up. They're actually marking their territory even further using scent glands in their feet. Oh. Who knew? I didn't know that. I know. I always thought they were like, I don't know why they would cover it up. Like, I guess I don't know what I thought they were doing. Yeah. But I didn't know that they had scent glands in their feet. That's interesting. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of scent glands in all sorts of places. Like cats have them in their face. Mm. So when a cat's rubbing their face against you or against something, they're marking you as Aww. theirs. <laughs> That's such a cat thing to do. My cat will not. She just doesn't stop. This mm. man is mine. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Bloodhounds, their sense of smell is so accurate that um, the results of their tracking can be used as evidence in a court of law. Which I thought was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. So like a little bloodhound detective. Legit. Legitimate evidence <laughs> in the court of law. 
Yeah. Wow. And then the last thing I found was that there are studies that show that dogs are left or right pod. <gasps> so the way that humans are handed, um, they scientists think that dogs do have like a preferential paw and you can tell by which paw they lead with when they start walking. <gasps> Isn't that I cute? love that. <laughs> that is so interesting. That's such like a bougie dog parent thing. Like, oh, my dog is left pawed actually. <laughs> but it's very on brand for you. Yeah, I, that's something that I would like dogs. deep dive into. Like, well, my dog's actually right pod, so that means this and <laughs> la la la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the dog parent in you. Ah, uh, man, I love those little boogers. That's all I found. Good stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, I love dog facts. Yeah, dog facts are the best facts. They're I think they're good. They're because they're so relatable. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> so then I guess we have our quiz. Woo-hoo. So our quiz today, I will also be administering to Lantonio, mm-hmm. Maddie, and Abram. <gasps> Excellent. Yes. Abram is our children's librarian's son, for those of you who do not know. But this is an, I will say this is an interesting quiz topic. I was just, when you started saying, let's do the quiz, I was like, oh yeah, I wonder what topic within the umbrella of animals he went with. So this is kind of like a true or false, like just a simple yes or no quiz. Um, I'm going to ask you, does it fart? (gasps) What a great topic. And why? Tell me why you came to this. Uh, Because there is an entire book in our library (laughs) called Does It Fart? A definitive field guide to animal flatulence. That's fantastic news. So it's hysterical and um, it's just got these little, each one has like these little illustrations. <laughs> of them with their of little them tooth faces. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> That's um, fantastic. Great gift idea. <laughs> it's really hysterical. It's a fun read mm. um, and it actually goes through and it talks about like why or why not the animal does or does not experience flatulence. Oh, so it's, it is very scientific. It's it's scientific and it's very short. Like each uh, species that they talk about is like one page. Oh, cool. So it just kind of breaks down what their diet consists of and why that does or does not cause them to have flatulence. Wow. I hope so, Abram loves this as much as I'm wanting him to. I think you he know? will. Yeah. So we're going to do five of these as normal. Okay. Um, the first one, the Sonoran coral snake. Does it fart? Wow. A snake tooting is pretty funny to think about. No. Yes. I don't think so. I feel like no. Do snakes poop? Does everything poop? This is really opening a can of worms for it me. Does. It does. It does. It does. <laughs> we'll go into this. Like, I obviously all creatures have to expel waste some way, Correct. right? But not in the same ways, right? Right. So, the short answer. Uh-huh. Yes, the, the Sonoran coral snake does fart. Okay. Um, now, snakes in general have a digestive system that is comparable to a bird. Okay. Um, so they have a cloaca, so they do their business, both businesses out of one place. Got it. Okay. Um, so, but the Sonoran coral snake, when it is threatened, it hides its head and raises its tail <gasps> and it sucks in air and then expels it to make a popping sound. <laughs> 
And so that popping can be heard from about 12 feet away. Wow. And it is like a higher pitched, shorter version of a human fart. But it is a threatening, like, it's like, it's like the funny rattlesnake. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, instead of rattling, you just toot. Yeah. Your enemies scatter. Exactly. Um, so that's the Sonoran <laughs> That's great. Snake. I'm glad I learned about him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, millipedes. Yes or no? Definitely. No. Maybe. I'm going to say Yes. Yes. <gasps> Millipedes have a very simple digestive system. Um, they don't have any kind of food storage. Okay. So their food goes through their system very quickly. And so it has to be broken down quickly. They have a lot of bacteria in their digestive system to okay. break that down. And that produces methane. So oh. hence farting. Hence farting. Yeah. Um, goldfish. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Probably yes. I want to say yes just because I hope it's true with the little bubbles. Um, no, goldfish Darn. do not. <laughs> they do have the bacteria that breaks down food in their digestive system, mm -hmm. but it's more likely that they burp out any gases oh, that are produced. That's still fun. Um, some say it's possible that they put some of those gases into their fecal pellets. Okay. Because the fecal pellets of a goldfish are mucus covered. So, like, they're sealed, oh, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they float. Mm hmm So, so the, the idea... Yeah, they could <laughs> they could put some of that into there, but typically they would burp it out as a bubble. <laughs> I still like that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, birds. <laughs> no, they do not. Birds? I don't know. Yes? Yes. No? No, they do not. Um, so birds, the, the Avis classification of birds, mm -hmm. which has over 10,000 species, none of them do at all. Um, they do not possess the same gas producing bacteria. Okay. Um, though anatomically speaking, they could if they needed to. Huh. Um, but, in a fart emergency. Right. But they, <laughs> they just don't have the same bacteria that breaks down food in their digestive system like other, like mammals. Yeah. I guess I didn't actually know until you just said that, that the reason we fart is because there's bacteria. a specific bacteria that yeah. produces that gas. Absolutely. I wish there was a way to get rid of that bacteria, but maybe that's not good for you. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's probably not. And the last one is subjective. Oh. The last one, you can t you can tell me whatever answer you would like, but I want you to explain your answer. Okay. Unicorns. Yes. Why? Because horses fart, fart and um, if unicorns are a form of uh, horses, then they would have to as well. I'm, I imagine it's glittery. I mean, they... Fart glitter and poop rainbow, so yes. No, because unicorns don't exist. Yes, unicorns fart because there's an entire manufacturing industry selling the fruits of said farts. So Unicorn farts? Yes, unicorn farts are a commercial product, so obviously they are real. Okay, so according to <laughs> Does It Fart... Oh yeah, what's the um, expert say? Yes, parentheses, probably. 
I love that. Um, so there are three. They break it down into three different ways. Come on. So first, unicorns are just horses with a horn. Mm-hmm. So horses do so. Unicorns would. Right, okay. If you don't like that logic, then myths about unicorns were thought to have come about because of sightings of a particular like bovine in India. Mm. Um, so cows in India mm-hmm. with horns that had broken off. Oh. So we know that those, those also fart. fart. So yes. <laughs> but then if that's still not satisfactory, <laughs> um, Unicorns may have come from the idea of large Ice Age rhinos Mm. called Elasmotherium, which had one big horn. So it was just a rhino with one big horn instead of the two. You know, it's got the tinier. Rhinos have the one tinier horn. Gotcha. Um, Current day rhinos are particularly gassy, so we can assume the same. uh, (laughs) An Ice ice Age (laughs) species. So on three counts, yes, unicorns probably fart. There you go. Um, That sounds like a scientifically based, heavily researched argument, and I am behind it. It sure does. And there are so many more fun answers about different species and whether or not they do. Yeah, you really sold me on this book. It's hysterical. It's really funny. (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, So yeah, that's what I've got for the quiz. And I think... I think that will wrap up our episode. Wonderful. I hope you all enjoyed this animal journey with us. Oh, yeah. I sure did. Uh, there's enough facts about animals that I feel like we will definitely end up with a animals part two in the future. Absolutely. You've got to. Because there's so many things that I could have talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Our next episode will be on June 7th. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about myths and urban legends. Oh, yeah. I mean, all those things that you get told... As a child and as an adult, that yeah. maybe it's not true. We're going full Mythbusters. Oh, I love Mythbusters. Yeah, good times. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, send us your feedback. Send us your yes. ideas for episodes. Send us your questions, what you've borrowed. We'd love to feature it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.